Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You're listening to the first and only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Be sure to subscribe to the show via iTunes and leave us a voice comment from our contact section on the website. You can find all of our episodes at PharmacyPodcast.com. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your co-host in 2017, focused on your career development, Erin Albert. More on me over at my website, ErinAlbert.com, or let's connect via Twitter. I'm at Erin L. Albert. Today in this sponsored podcast, we're looking at a deep dive of a newer certification out there for pharmacists around the world. The Board Certified Medical Affairs Specialist Program, or BCMAS, is the new certification that we're taking a look at, along with the chair of the Accreditation Council for Medical Affairs, Dr. William Solomon, who's our guest today. Dr. Solomon has an extensive set of experiences within field-based medical affairs and medical affairs overall. His bio, which is quite impressive, is included in today's show notes. Please take a look at those. His education includes earning his PhD and other degrees from Columbia University. He earned his bachelor's from New York University and also completed some postdoc work at Harvard University, T.H. Chan School of Public Health. We're very excited to have him join us today. Of course, in previous episodes on the Pharmacy Podcast, we've taken a look at medical science liaisons and what they do. We've also had a separate episode on certifications and the growing option list uh, that we have for pharmacists over there as well. So today we're marrying those two subjects and looking specifically at the BCMAS program. We're here tonight with two special guests. Our first guest is not a stranger to the Pharmacy Podcast, Anne Lacey. She joins us again. She is a P4 pharmacy major, actually on rotation with me at Myers & Stauffer this month, who wanted to get in on the podcast action. So, Anne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. And our special guest tonight is Dr. William Solomon. He is the chair of the Accreditation Council for Medical Affairs. Dr. Solomon, thank you for joining us on the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you, Erin. Pleasure to be here. So Anne and I are going to kind of tag team tonight. And I'll start with the first question, which is the same question I ask all of our guests, because my podcast is focused predominantly on career development. So how did you get to where you are today in your own career? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So again, pleasure to be here. Looking forward to this discussion. Um, you know, for me, uh, medical affairs has always been something when I first learned about it that I knew I wanted to do. I'm a PhD by background. And uh, when I first got into pharma, I actually worked in the sales uh, area. So I was actually a sales rep. And uh, when I started to learn about this position called a medical science liaison, I thought to myself, that's exactly what I want to do. Um, and so I really planned accordingly, you know, in terms of my career and what I focused on and, you know, different activities that I uh, was involved in from a professional development standpoint to begin to kind of carve a path forward uh, into the medical liaison space. And so that's kind of how I began. That was almost now over uh, 15 to 20 years ago. Um, and it's been a great journey. I've been really blessed to have a lot of great experiences. So can you explain to me what is medical affairs and then who are the customers for medical affairs professionals? Absolutely. Yeah, very good question. So 
You know, the aim of any drug company, first and foremost, really is to make sure that their product is used in the best possible situation where it benefits the patients most. And so um, when you look at medical affairs, it's the arm of the drug company that's focused on educating healthcare providers and generating new data for a drug in a therapeutic area. Um, and so a lot of times the medical affairs folks do, especially those that are based in the field like medical science liaisons, they are actually out there meeting with physicians, pharmacists, PhDs, talking to them about the therapeutic area and disease state. And in a lot of ways, you know, medical affairs plays a really important role because those are the folks that actually really understand the disease state in terms of the most up-to-date information that's out there with the, the literature. Uh, in terms of who the customers are, it's really the thought leaders, the thought leader physicians in the country at the top academic centers, uh, really either in the US or in the world. And that's because these individuals have a significant, as you can imagine, level of influence on the guidelines for therapeutic areas that come out and really set the standard uh, for excellence for treating patients and what the treatment paradigm should be. And so medical affairs is out there establishing relationships with these physicians and it's kind of like the conduit for generating new data, new research for really the, the scientific and biomedical space uh, as a whole. So they play a very, very important role and they actually over 10 to 15 years ago really didn't exist and the numbers they are today, but they've actually grown in the last decade over 300%. And so uh, what that really tells you is that the drug companies see a huge value in having medical and clinical professionals. So tonight we're getting into the BCMAS program, and we'll get to questions around that and what that is in a few seconds here. But overall, it is a certification, and we've talked here on the podcast before about the importance and value of certifications professionally. In your opinion, Dr. Solomon, why do you think a professional needs a certification or a board certification, not only in medical affairs, but in general? Yeah, that's a great question. So again, the drug industry has changed so much in the last decade. And like I mentioned, the growth of the medical affairs has been unbelievable. Um, and medical affairs is involved in things like clinical trials, scientific publications, presenting data to physicians, uh, even like health economic outcomes data. But there's no formal training, believe it or not, or pathway uh, for independent credentialing in the space, which is amazing because in the end of the day, the job that medical affairs has plays a huge role in patients' lives indirectly. Um, but there's no independent credentialing until, of course, the Accreditation Council for Medical Affairs came along and established really the first ever board certification program for medical affairs in the country. And, and I'm happy actually to say that the program is now not just in the U.S., but we actually have a third of our BCMAS candidates, the Board Certification Medical Affairs Specialist Program, candidates for that program outside of the U.S. So we're actually in places like Australia, New Zealand, Europe. Uh, even in some places in North Africa and the Middle East. And that just tells you the need that's out there worldwide for establishing some kind of formal educational path and a way really to certify people independently. Um, and, you know, for the, for the listeners of this podcast, 40% of our BCMS candidates are actually pharmacists. And pharmacists comprise the largest proportion of people that work in the medical affairs space. Um, when you look at pharmacists, physicians, and PhDs, the highest group from a percentage perspective that go into the industry are pharmacists. And we hear every day, I can tell you, we get phone calls, emails from pharmacists that say, you know, I wish 
that this was available to me when I was in pharmacy school. I wish somebody had told me about this career path. I didn't really know about this. And, you know, they're out working in a retail or clinical and they want to make a change and they're not sure how. So, you know, I think this is one of the things that I'm really proud of, you know, from a career perspective and what I've done is to be able to help these individuals find that path forward and learn what they need to do to hit the ground running when they get into these types of roles. So in regards to medical affairs, what is the ACMA? Good question. So the ACMA, the Accreditation Council for Medical Affairs, is really an accrediting body. And the accrediting body provides essentially educational programs focused squarely on clinical development and medical affairs for pharma biotech. And our mission really is simple. So our mission is to provide a standardization in medical affairs nationwide. And we're beginning to see actually that a lot of hospitals, academic centers are now in support of this idea that if you're going to work with them, you're going to do business with them, you've got to be independently board credentialed. Um, And again, this is because one, it brings more value. But there's another important piece to this, and that's around risk and liability. Remember, medical affairs, again, indirectly impacts patients' lives. They're educating physicians, but we have no way to filter out those that actually know what they're doing from a clinical trial design perspective, a clinical development perspective, the compliance rules, et cetera, from those that do. And so this is a way to kind of also filter out those individuals and ensure that they're meeting a minimum level of competency to work in the space. And so we're actually hearing from, you know, the KOLs, the key opinion leaders, who are really, at the end of the day, our customers and hospitals, that this is something they're totally in support of. And what I believe is going to happen is that in the next two to three years, this will actually become a requirement for many of the people that work in the medical affairs space. So let's talk about, get into the details of the actual certification itself. In full disclosure, I have not seen the curriculum. I have no idea what is involved in it in terms of time and education. So explain it to us like we're five. Tell us more about what of the content and curriculum is included in the BCMAS. Sure. So first of all, the program is an online program. It's self-paced, so you do it at your own pace. It's, a, it's based on a rolling admission uh, system, so you can apply anytime. It's made up of 20 different modules. So it's a very comprehensive program. It covers a lot of different areas uh, within medical and clinical. And again, it really gives you that foundational knowledge you need to be able to work in medical affairs or clinical development. The program really was born from subject matter experts, both in academia and the industry, which I think is important. So, you know, we brought experts in from both sides of the fence to give us kind of their perspective when we were developing this module. Um, And for a lot of the pharmacists who graduated pharmacy school, as I mentioned, they hadn't even heard of these career opportunities. Um, And so the BCMAS program, in a lot of ways, again, provides that context. And a good analogy, I think, for pharmacists is to think about the BCPS program. Uh, And so it's structured very similarly. Again, all online, there is a board examination required, and there is a recertification required every five years. Um, And if you're interested in learning more about the actual topics, you can visit our website and you can see the whole list of topics and and all the requirements needed for the exam, et cetera. So in that field, who takes the BCMAS program? Very good question. So to be eligible for the program, you have to have a PharmD an MD or a PhD. 
um, as I mentioned, about 40% of the people that do the BCMAS program today are pharmacists, and about a third are MDs, and the remaining are PhDs, and we also have some DOs as well. Um, one of the questions I get all the time is, what about if I'm a bachelor's in pharmacy before you know the conversion over to the PharmD program? Um, and I will say we have gotten a few really stellar candidates who have a background um, in industry. You know they have a lot of experience in industry, but they have a bachelor's degree in pharmacy. So for those individuals, you know I want to say we do accept those individuals. It's taken on a case by case basis, but you know the the technical eligibility criteria is to have a terminal degree again as a PharmD, MD, or a PhD. So just a couple of follow-up questions on the BCMAS. Is, is CE or continuing education attached to it? Um, on average, how long does it take a candidate to get through the modules? And holistically, do you have solid outcomes that have shown people that have actually gone through the certification and attained work specifically in medical affairs yet? And how long has the program been around? Very good question. So. Um, first, let's go back to how long the program takes. So the program takes, on average, what we see is about six to eight weeks to complete. Um, now, there is a time limit for the program. Once you gain access to the program, you do have six months to complete the program. But on average, we see, again, it takes about six to eight weeks to complete it. Um, in terms of the outcomes for the program, what we see is that half of the people that actually do the BCMAS program they're already in the pharmaceutical industry. You know, they're medical liaisons, heads of medical affairs. We even have VPs and chief medical officers that have done the program. So I think that's really an important point is that about half of the people doing it are currently working within the pharmaceutical industry. Now, in terms of the other half, um, you know, I would say about 85% of those individuals who have graduated from the program, within about two to three months, they're able to go on and get full-time employment. Now, keep in mind, the program has been around for only a little over a year, year and a half. So, you know, we don't have long-term data. Um, but in the end of the day, you know, I always tell people, it's like getting any, like any other type of degree, right? If you get an MBA or if you get a PharmD, right, there's no guarantee that you're going to secure a certain type of employment. You know, there's a lot of factors that, that go into that. But what I will say for, you know, in terms of feedback we get from the people that have graduated from the program is that it really has made them, one, a lot more confident when they go in into an interview because they really sound like an insider. They understand medical affairs. They understand what the entire process and structure is like to work in those organizations. Um, and number two, for those that are working within industry, it's opened up new doors from a career perspective and provided kind of a new path into different areas of the medical and clinical that may not have existed before. Because again, the program is, is, is very comprehensive. So it's covering so many different topics that really help you again to become much more knowledgeable in these different areas. One example would be like health economic outcomes research, which you included into the program. And again, that was based on a lot of advisors that you know work in this space because of course, as you guys I'm sure know, there's so much attention in the last few years around pricing of drugs, right? And so what's happened is the pharmaceutical industry to respond to that has, has had to put out a lot more data focused on pharmacoeconomics. And, but to do that, you need to understand modeling, right? And data, statistical, mathematical modeling to be able to get this data out. And we provide that type of training. And, and again, people that have done it have find it extremely valuable. And again, is CE or CME accredited accreditation attached to any of this learning? 
we are in probably in the next, I would say, two months, we're going to be able to provide CME uh, and CPE, both to physicians, pharmacists, also nurse practitioners and physician assistants. So the great thing now about BCMAS is that when you sign up for the program, you'll be able to actually use it to maintain licensure, you know, in terms of gaining uh, CE. Interesting. So why do you think BCMAS, pro the BCMAS program and certifications in general have become a standard? Well, I think, you know, when you look at so much as, uh, of what's happened in the pharmaceutical industry, you know, especially let's you know focus maybe let's say on clinical trials, for instance. Um, I just heard the other day uh, there was a, a study that was botched by a French pharmaceutical company where a patient died. Uh, about two years ago, there was another study where there was a few patient deaths with a Boston-based company where, you know, it was an obesity drug. And, and again, the study wasn't run well and these patients died. Um, so I think this doesn't mean that, you know, doing a BCMS is going to, you know, uh, necessarily prevent errors in clinical trials, et cetera. But here's what I think. I think it can lower the risk and liability substantially. Why? Because if you ask a physician today who runs a clinical program, what was your training? on designing a clinical trial. Or if you ask a pharmacist, you know, wh where did you learn about clinical trial design or biostatistics? And the answer is either very, very little or none. I know for most physicians, they really don't have much training in this area. So they're put into these positions with enormous level of responsibility. Um, and again, that influences in the end of the day, patient safety with no real training. You know, I can tell you myself, um, I'm a PhD by training. I'm a PhD from Columbia University. I did postdoc work at Harvard. Um, I had no training in any of these areas. Uh, and I was a global medical director, ran clinical trials with thousands of patients. Um, and so that really was on me to be able to learn how to run a clinical trial and design one and ensure that all different safety aspects were in place. So what's nice about the BCMAS program and why I think half of the people doing it work in industry is that it gives them that training that they wish they had, had they could have had you know, before they started in the role. And that's why I think we've had such, you know, great feedback on it and why, you know, we have so many people interested in the program, you know, worldwide. So I know you touched on this earlier and you did utilize the feedback of KOLs or thought leaders around this certification. But do you think thought leaders provide or see value uh, from accredited MSLs in their work? Have you heard any testimonials? I know the program's only been around a year, but um, I guess the I guess I'm asking the do the thought leaders care question. And if so, how is that demonstrated? Do people just put BCMAS after their, you know, PharmD on their LinkedIn profiles? I mean, what's the visibility around it as well? That's exactly what happens. Once you pass the board exam, uh, what ends up happening is you're able to use those professional credentials in your title. So, you know, if you're a PharmD, it would be PharmD, BCMAS. And so it's very visible. Um, what I can tell you is the thought leaders that we've spoken to are actually conducting a study, which will be publishing in the next year. But, you know, I can tell you that the majority of key opinion leaders and physicians in the country at a lot of the top academic research centers believe it's very important for the reasons that I mentioned, because, you know, if you think about it from a physician's perspective, most physicians to gain hospital privilege, to be able to work at a hospital, they need to be board certified. They need to maintain that. And so 
you know, they expect the same level of rigor uh, in training from the people that come and work with them and really partner with them. Because at the end of the day, you know, about 65% of the biomedical scientific research in this country is fueled by pharma. So we're really partners in medicine and development of science technology with the medical community. And so having something in place that can, again, provide a basic foundational knowledge, separate those individuals that are in the know versus those that are not, I think for physicians is very, very important. And we hear that. So absolutely. And that's why, you know, my my belief is that, again, this is something in the next two to three years will become a required independent credential uh, for all folks in medical affairs, similar to what's happened for a lot of sales reps that need to be able to go work in hospitals. They have to be credentialed. Now, in that case, they have to be credentialed as vendors. But I, what I'm seeing happening now is they're looking to actually independently credential um, medical liaisons, medical affairs you know, folks to be able to work at these places because of the level of involvement they have in protocols and research and studies and publications, et cetera. So it's, it's coming. I, I can see that wave beginning to happen. From a student pharmacist perspective, what can earlier career pharmacists do to get into medical for affairs earlier in their careers? That's a great question. You know, one of the things that I love in my role is I get to go around and speak to a lot of the student pharmacists around the country at the different colleges and associations. And what I always tell people, the, the most important thing really is to network, right? And this is something that, of course, I'm sure people have heard many, many times. But in today's age with social media, with LinkedIn, really to network with those key folks and to find a mentor, someone that really wants to work with you and to kind of guide you. Um, I know fellowship programs are hard to combine medical affairs, regulatory, et cetera. And that's another reason I think why BCMS has been so helpful. So one of the things, Erin, that I think is really important is that for the folks that have done BCMS, they actually find it's easier to get a fellowship because, again, they have a lot of that foundational knowledge uh, for the PharmDs. But I think the other thing that you should be able really to, to focus on if you're trying to really build a career in this space is to learn the space. Really take the time to learn and become an insider. So whether it's doing BCMAS or networking, but to stay up to, to date on what's happening in medical affairs, in the industry as a whole, uh, learning about what new classes of drugs are coming down the pike for different disease states, where are things moving in terms of drug development. So really to stay up to date and in the know, keep up to date with your science, I think that's really important because you know things change at lightning speed in medicine. Um, and there's new classes of drugs being discovered and new targets being discovered every day. So being able to zero in on what you want to do and work towards it and stay focused on that goal, I think that's the most important thing you can do to kind of help you make sure that you're putting all your resources and energy in the right space. So you mentioned a few things that are coming for ACMA and the BCMAS program, CE, CME for pharmacists and physicians, respectively. You're working on a study that will hopefully be a publication in the near future. What else is coming for ACMA? Oh, there's so many great things. It's a very exciting time now at the ACMA. Uh, this week alone, uh, we just released five new programs that are focused on a variety of topics. So these are individual certificate programs that are focused on things like clinical development, medical devices, pharmacoeconomics. So that's already been uh, something that we've gotten a lot of interest in. 
Um, we're also looking to partner with an important regulatory body in South America. So we just just today we had a very important meeting with uh, the top regulatory body in South America, which is looking to use the BCMAS program in that part of the world, uh, where again they'd be independently credentialing uh, medical affairs folks. So that's really exciting. You mentioned, of course, CME and CPE. So I think that's going to be great because it'll add more value to BCMAS. And then just recently we deployed our program to uh, a group of folks at NYU School of Medicine, which was great, really honored by that, and also at Rutgers Graduate School of Biomedical Sciences, that we've been hearing very, very positive feedback. So a lot of exciting things happening at BCMAS. Um, you know, as obviously as time goes on, we're gonna continue to improve the program and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, continue to be able to provide that path for, for folks that wanna work in the industry or that wanna elevate themselves if they're currently working in industry. So where can people find the BCMAS program and is there anything else that you wanted to add relative to ACMA? Uh, well, they can visit our site, uh, so medicalaffairsspecialist.org. They can also just Google BCMAS or medical affairs certification and we come up. Uh, you know, I'd be more than happy to, to field any questions um, that come in. Uh, my email is wsolomon at medicalaffairsspecialist.org. So people can reach out to me directly. You can also link with me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, in terms of anything else, I would say, again, look at where things are going, not where things are today. That would be the advice I'd give folks listening out there. You know, Wayne Gretzky has that good line, right? People asked him, why were you so successful? He said, I always thought about where the puck was going to go, not where it actually is. And I think that's the same advice I'd give people. You know, whether you want to get into the medical affairs space or you're in the medical affairs space, I would say for me, the, the main impetus for me being really blessed and being successful in this space is that I was able to see this trend from years ago. And, um, and I've had a lot of great people to work with, a great team to work with who helped us put this program together. As you can imagine, it was a lot of effort and work, but, you know, knock on wood, it's been very successful. And I, and I think, you know, this will continue to expand and, and hopefully elevate the standards in the drug industry and in medical affairs. Well, Dr. William Solomon of the Accreditation Council for Medical Affairs, thank you for joining us on the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. We're going to get into the speed round, but I think I'm going to I'm going to give that to Anne to hand over. So, Anne, would you like to go through the speed round with Dr. Solomon? Absolutely. Dr. Solomon, what podcast are you currently listening to? So it's funny, you know, I, I listen to Pod Save America. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's uh, basically a podcast that goes through kind of the different presidents. Uh, and just kind of gives interesting historical anecdotes about them. So, I, you know, I find that interesting. Interesting. I'll have to add that to my list. Your one word to describe the U.S. healthcare system right now. <laughs> I would say political. Your best time management tip. Stop checking emails constantly at work. I think I read a statistic somewhere that people spend about 30% of their day just checking emails. The best career advice you've ever received? I would say stay focused on your current role and stay out of the office drama. With that, Dr. William Solomon, ACMA, thank you for joining us on the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Ann. Thank you, guys. Our sincere thanks to Dr. William Solomon for being part of our sponsored podcast today by the ACMA. 
As well, shout out to our student at Myers and Stauffer, Ann Lacey. Thank you for being a brave soul today and stepping up and being a co-host on this particular episode. Last but not least, we'd love to help you talk about your career development options for our audience of 64,000 listeners and growing. Please reach out to us at Pharmacy Podcast on Twitter, or of course, you can always reach us over at the website, PharmacyPodcast.com. Last but certainly not least, if you found these podcasts helpful, it would be phenomenal if you could go over to iTunes and give us a rating. We don't know if we're helping you until you tell us that we're helping you. So we greatly appreciate your rating in advance. Thanks so much. And until next time, I'm Erin Albert.